1: Where is Fred? Fred Penny not here. Hi, I'm Todd Kuhnan. Hi, of the, Todd. What? Hello, Todd. <laughs> Hi, my name's Todd. I'm a radio law talk host. Hi, Todd.
2: My name's Todd. I like to party.
1: <laughs> yes, it's been uh, it's been it's it's been five days since my last opinion. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been five days since my last decision. I was uh that was the uh, what was it? The husband's anonymous. Hi, my name's Todd. I'm a husband. <laughs> back when I was married. Hi, Todd. It's been it's been five days since my last decision. We're I, sorry, Todd. I don't know. T- two nights ago, I was tempted to have an opinion, but I called my sponsor. Helped me through it. So uh, seated to my left, you hear the the giggles and the laughter from Seth Madden, former call screener, now illustrious attorney. He's left us from his call screening duties because I was I, relieved. You were you you were relieved? Uh, as in Whew, or somebody relieved you of those duties. Both. Okay, all right. <laughs> it's always, uh, Yeah, I practice criminal law and we go into court and... And, you know the public defender will come in and, and they'll represent a case for somebody and then after a while they don't like this and we'll talk about reasons why somebody might want to change attorneys in the middle of a criminal case but when that happens you know the new attorney substitutes in private attorney and the in uh, the court will say the public defender is relieved and i always i always expect the public defender to go "Woo man
2: yeah that happened.
1: <laughs> but uh, Todd Kuhn, behind the glass is Cal Hunter. Cal, how are you on this fine morning? I'm great, thanks.
0: How are things on the studio side of the glass?
1: Well, you know, we're we're getting by. We're getting by. But we will be getting by even better if we are able to roll into a case or no case, if you're ready for that.
2: Or we figure out who painted that rock in the corner. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) Sweet. We do have that. Well, how, how, what's your pleasure, Cal? How would you like to go about doing this? I'm
0: wide open on this. You, want, right. to do, you want to do uh, case or no case? I can do case or no case. It so matters
1: not to me. Cal is yeah. like the spread offense, yeah. wide open. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> Wherever so,
0: the opening is, I'll throw the ball.
1: Okay, <laughs> so let's go ahead and do some case or no case. Why don't you roll it? All right, here we go.
0: Now it's time to play case or no case. Yay! And now... Case or no case on Radio Law Talk, heard coast-to-coast coast and border-to-border, border and always live on RadioLawTalk.com. Sounds like a kid. family from Nebraska, the Bob and Janet Williams and their kids, decided to toss everyone in the station wagon, this was in 1969, and wagon. head to Disneyland. They especially wanted to ride the Matterhorn everyone did. This trip was over the Christmas vacation season, so a time when the park was not as busy the so-called off-season. They got there, paid their $22 for adults, $15 each for the three kids. Boy, those were the days, right? And they went in and went on. They did not go straight to the Matterhorn because there were so many other things to see and do, virtually no lines or anything. They were loving it. And then they got to the Matterhorn. Closed for maintenance, will not be open for four more days. Now, remember, they drove from Omaha, And by the time they drive back to Omaha, with school starting in just five days, three days drive time, they said, we can't stay, but we came to ride the Matterhorn. Their expenses for the trip back in those days were over $1,000, a sum which they had carefully saved. Nobody told them the Matterhorn was closed when they called and asked about tickets. No signage at the front of the park said it was closed either. So once they got back home, they picked up the phone to see about getting Walt Disney to give them back their money. And so I ask you, case or no case? Todd Kunin, you get to go first this time because uh, Seth Madden went first in our last uh, query here, so... What say you? Is this a case or is it not a case?
1: Well, let me ask you a question here, sure, Cal. Sure. So they drove across country to, from Omaha, Nebraska, to Disneyland, and the Ford Fairlane station wagon. Now, yeah, on? my question is, <laughs> I don't know. You know, <laughs> yeah. even though the parking lot was empty, did they park at the very <laughs> end because, hey, we'll be the first to leave when the park closes? Kids, was <laughs> Grandma strapped to the roof after <laughs> no, she passed away? This was, not did, Clark. was John Candy no. there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> did they happen to pass Christy Brinkley? in a Ferrari. No, but she uh, passed them. She passed them. Did uh, did the dog urinate all over the no. <laughs> the lunch? No. You know, your, no your, your scenario no. Is sounding a lot like vacation, but... Uh, well, it is vacation. That's which, the point. Yeah. Which was loosely based on the novel The Grapes of Wrath, by the way, yes, I believe. Right. Loosely. Very so, loosely. Uh, Except I'm, for the Christy Wrigley part. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, y- 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 he have to take some creative license. Right, there, right, right. So... I am going to say, I'm going to say that this is a case, and and here's what I'm going to I'm going to say that this is a case, and in that it actually happened. I don't know if a case was ever filed because, as you say, yes, it, um, as you have as you have said it, Cal, there was the they went across, they came back, and they decided to contact Walt Disney to see if he would reimburse them. So. My guess is, my answer is going to be that this is an actual occurrence. It happened. They contacted Walt Disney, and that Walt Disney refunded, out of the goodness of his heart, part of their... Either refunded or did something to try to make up for the fact that when they got there, the Matterhorn was closed, given the length they traveled that this is a feel-good story about mr disney and how he tried to do right by somebody that came so okay. that's my answer fair enough seth
0: madden what say you case or no case and by the way remember your points are all going toward denise dirks and you already won for her two points last last time we had the uh, get together here
2: as a uh, previous proud owner of a 1989 Chevy Caprice station wagon. Now you're talking. <laughs> yeah.
0: Mine was a Chevy Caprice diesel, by the way. Oh, yeah. It might have the
2: third fold-up seat. Uh, yes, You'd of course. You'd be surprised course. how many people we could get in that thing. Must have, yes. Um, I'm actually going to say that it is not a case. Hmm. That it's all made up. That cow lives in his fantasy world with the Matterhorn. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, there are no prevailing parties. So you're saying that I just
0: BS my way through this whole deal? You gotta remember, I
1: sat behind the glass with you for a very long time. Apparently, too long. That's all I can say to that. Um, That's interesting because the points that he has goes to Denise, right? And Denise. Denise recently has been the one I – mean, the only way that to answer this like Denise would have answered it is if you had gone on, say, a two-minute explanation <laughs> of both sides and made a great point and at the very end said, and it's no case. That is – that's a Denise answer. So we're disappointed in you, Seth, basically, for the lack of uh, (laughs) – lack of the lack of brevity. Don't don't worry.
2: I probably won't be back. (laughs) I'll wait for my Monday morning critique. Well, I (laughs) think what
0: we'll do here, because we now – with Seth's brilliant Case
1: of ad living. I think. <laughs> and, and, and brevity, the <laughs> word of the day. A yeah, soul of wit. Do you have uh, any? Do you have any questions? Anything you well, I mean, want to throw I just, out?
0: I I'm just thinking out loud to Seth. How can you possibly think that a family could go from Nebraska to Southern California under the false impression that the Matterhorn was going to be open, and then have this not be a case? I mean, this is. I don't know. This is a big deal. I'm telling you.
2: Well, I say that because I've been to amusement parks with a thought in mind. Oh, I'm going to go I'm gonna go visit this, or I'm going to go on this ride, right. and I get there, right. and it's closed. And what are your thoughts on that? My how- thoughts are I look at my ticket, and it says there's no refunds. But how
0: <laughs> how far have you driven, or what trouble have you put yourself to
1: to get to that? I mean, that's the real question. Can, can I ask you a quick Cal, yeah. When did Walt Disney die? Walt Disney died. T- I don't know, 68? 68. 68. Like so Walt Disney, uh, Disneyland opened in when? The 50s? Yeah, early 50s. I early believe. 50s. Oh, so late 50s, I'm sorry. It, yeah. So it was the late 50s. There weren't a whole lot of amusement parks to the extent of Disneyland. Disneyland. And if he was still alive for them to call, that may change your answer given what they can expect when they go to a park, given that Disney was still alive for them to make a call. But we're going to go under a break. I tell That's you what, I would not object to him being able to think about it and give his answer after the break.
0: Seth, we'll let you do
1: that. Give you a moment to think about it because we have uh, to take a
0: little break here. First break of this particular get together of Radio Law Talk. You stay right there, and we remind you that you can listen to Radio Law Talk on your favorite radio station, and we're glad you do that. And you can also listen to it live, Saturdays, 9 to noon Pacific, on radiolawtalk.com. All advertising for legal services on Radio Law Talk is strictly for the state or states in which the advertiser is licensed. For more information, go to radiolawtalk.com. I am Cameron Levitt.
4: I'm a veteran. We hit a mine
6: in Vietnam. When I came home, I didn't know where to turn. As America's veterans face challenges, DAV is there. My victory's been never giving up hope. My wife is always there to remind me we have a life to live. DAV provides
0: a lifetime of support, helping veterans of every generation get the benefits they've earned. I am a veteran, but after I got out, I spent two years alone and homeless. Every year, DAV helps more than a million veterans so they can reach victories great and small.
7: My victory was finding the support to get back on my feet. Now I'm getting things right with my family.
8: I finally admitted with my PTSD, I wasn't doing well.
0: But there's more to be done and more victories to be won.
8: Now I wish I'd found DAV sooner. I am a veteran. My victory is just enjoying each day.
0: Help support more Victories for Veterans. Go to DAV.org.
5: Is this real life?
0: Time to get back to Radio Law Talk on radiolawtalk.com and on your
1: favorite radio station. Well, if it's not real life, it ought to be. So we're in the middle of case or no case. We have the... uh, the case of the cross-country trek to Disneyland. And, uh, Cal, why don't you reset it up for us, and then we'll get into what's actually Yeah, going Bob and
0: on. Janet Williams take their kids in the station wagon. They want to ride the Matterhorn. They get to Disneyland. They ordered tickets on the telephone back in the day. They wanted to uh, ride the Matterhorn. They get there, and do all the other stuff, They, you know, walk their way through the park, make their way to the Matterhorn, and bam, it's closed, and it's not going to be open for four more days. And they came all the way out from Nebraska primarily just to ride the Matterhorn. So they were upset. They drive back home. Their kids are all, you know, you know. can you imagine the drive home from L.A. to Nebraska after your kids don't get to ride the Matterhorn? Mommy and Daddy, you stink. I hate you.
2: You know, the whole thing like I that. I can imagine the ride home from L.A. to Sacramento. Okay, well, there you go. There you go. It was bad enough, right? And
0: so, uh, and so they thought maybe we should reach out to Walt and see if Walt will give us a refund and maybe cover the grand that we spent to come to his stupid park. Seth said it's not a case. Todd says it is a case. And uh, who
1: whom did you say? You... I, I said it's it. <clears throat> well, okay. <laughs> I said it was a case, and I don't think that anything was actually ever filed. But I said it was a case in that it happened, and they did call Walt and or tried to get a hold of him. And the outcome was Walt did something to try to make it good by the family. Try to be gracious to yes, his yes. to his fans. And, and we went to a break to give to give Seth. An opportunity to reflect on his. You know,
2: just to think. Yeah, sure. and uh, I thought, and I thought some more, and I thought a little bit longer, and then I thought about my thoughts, and I came up with, you said this was in 1979? 1979. 1979. Walt Disney died in 1968. Right, but that
0: doesn't mean that it was Walt as a company. And that was owned by ABC Television then, by the way, ABC oh, TV. see, yeah, see yeah, the point yeah, I
1: was yeah. trying to make was... Was that you said they called Walt? Right. And, uh... The metaphorical Walt. Okay, yeah. so okay. so I yeah. got to amend my answer that the Disney Corporation <laughs> yeah. tried yeah. to do something yeah. nice. It. It. Yes. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. So for those of you who say this, well, I,
1: wait, are you are you are you?
0: Did I'm you sticking change, to stick, it. Man. Okay. No case. Right. Those of you who say this was well, a case, right. the answer is, <laughs> <Yes>! <laughs> of
1: course, it's fake.
0: It's as fake as a $3 bill and a 35-cent piece.
1: <laughs> I should have known the similarities to vacation.
0: I know. I know, but next hour, I take you, or next hour, next time we get together, I take you to the city of Portland, Oregon. You smell that, Todd? Where a homeless <laughs> campsite causes problems. Where a what? Homeless campsite causes problems <laughs> with the local business. So that's coming up next time on Case... Or no case, and that's it, that's it for this hour.
2: Where, where are we at
0: for points? Well, oh. well, right now you've just picked up four points. <laughs> well, Todd's four, picked four up one. Four points total. Yeah, yeah. Todd, Todd's picked up one so far. So Todd has thirteen. Denise has twelve. Oh boy. Oh, There's one more case or no case left. We'll see how this all plays out. Denise is not going to want to show up. Let's have Seth play for me.
2: <laughs> you know, I want to phone a friend.
1: Seth says, yeah, probably not going to be back. Not if Denise has anything yeah, to say to about say, it. The way this is going. And, and even his answer when he came back for the break was more Denise-like, where he talked about thinking about it and doing all this and then and then told us he wasn't changing his answer. And that I was, was fine. Cool. to oh, eliminate the brevity. Yes, uh, Harvey Weinstein. Um, <laughs> so on, on the heels of that, yeah, f- failed <laughs> failed failed rides at Disneyland. Yeah. The the Harvey Weinstein experience. Uh, yeah, Harvey Weinstein back in the news. He's got his case going, and he has shaken up his legal team. Well, that's an understatement. Yes. Uh, having a difficult time finding representation – not find – look, any attorney, if you're willing to pay the money, I'll represent you. But having the ability to find representation that he
2: can agree with on legal strategy and going forward – let, yes. let, let me say this. Anybody that's going to be in, in – I don't want to say in Harvey Weinstein's position, but anybody that has a criminal matter that keeps – flip-flopping and searching for attorneys and getting rid of some and hiring some new ones, there's got to be a point where you have to say, okay, uh, I'm going to listen to the advice that they're giving me. I I mean, looking through these names of attorneys that have been on Weinstein's case, um, former Casey Anthony attorney Jose Baez.
5: If you pay my fee, I'll take your (laughs) case.
2: Yeah, Hollywood power lawyer Benjamin Brofman, Harvard law professor Ron Sullivan, ex Kobe Bryant lawyer Pamela McKay, Former prosecutor Duncan Levin, good grief! I know he's got a lot. Look, the
1: first attorney that he had, or the attorney that did, for example, the uh, the preliminary hearing, actually was successful in getting some of the charges dismissed at the preliminary hearing. Now, that's not that's not a small feat there because at the preliminary. The burden of proof at a preliminary hearing, I've always viewed it as it's essentially the same burden that a law enforcement officer has to make an arrest. Arrests have to be made on probable cause. And that's essentially the same thing that a judge is looking for. Um, I mean, they talk about it in terms of, you know, would a reasonable person believe that based upon these facts, is there enough to entertain that that the accused that a crime has occurred and that you are the one that did it. I'm not saying you're guilty of it, but there's enough to send it to a trial. And and the first attorney was successful in getting some of the charges bounced saying, look, there's not even probable cause that something happened with that person. Yeah. So so that was a win. I think that what happened in Weinstein's case, in my opinion, uh, was influenced a little bit by what we saw happen last year with Judge Kavanaugh. When we had the accuser come in and the and and she laid out before the confirmation board her case and the Republicans had a female attorney come in to ask the questions because it looked different. I think after that, Weinstein wanted to get a female on board that would be more favorable to the jury, more sympathetic, able to connect, and it wouldn't look like a bunch of men against women. We're going to continue with this discussion when we come back, but we're going to talk about issues about... When you get a new attorney, why, what are some of the considerations, and what are some of the things that Weinstein, in particular, is facing? You're listening to Radio Law Talk. We're at the bottom of the hour break. Cal?
0: We, in fact, are. And I want to remind you to stay tuned for more Radio Law Talk right here on this radio station. And wherever it is you're listening, we thank you. But also, just a reminder, there's always RadioLawTalk.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
6: That's 800-918-1376 I'm
1: going to quick quack car wash Get my car washed Make it quick quack Pretty shiny sexy Just because I wanna Don't drive dirty Gonna get my car suds in the quick quack car wash it's the quick quack, quickest and the cleanest by far. We're talking three skinny minutes sitting right in your car. Watch a hundred feet of cloth. Washing your car at the quick quack car wash. Any Honda, Mazda, Ford, or Chevy, Somber, Cadillac, Quick Quack. will her up just like that. You'll be happy-looking, snappy. You'll be glad you was the Quick Quack Car Wash. it on the web and go
6: to DontDriveDirty.com and see where you got your closest Quick Quack in the local area. Get in your car. Get in your truck. Get on the road and come
1: visit the dog. Quick Quack Car Wash, where your car will always leave happy, guaranteed. They take pride in being clean and green by conserving and recycling the water they use only at the...
7: Quick Quack Car Wash. Quack, quack.
1: I knew I
8: had a problem, but I didn't know what to do about it. I tried counting calories. I took
7: pills. Eating and eating and then more eating.
8: I really wanted to stop, but nothing could make me stop.
7: At one point, it was so bad that I just felt like giving up.
8: I felt so alone, like nobody else could possibly understand. We understand. We're Overeaters Anonymous, and we have helped thousands of people just like you, people who want to stop their compulsive eating and start living a healthy, rewarding life. Overeaters Anonymous help me get my life back.
0: Now I eat in a way that's healthy and good for me. I never realized what I was missing out on.
7: With OA, I am living again
8: and loving it start living the life you deserve with help from overeaters anonymous find us on the web at oa.org
1: radio law talk now back to the show so we're talking about Harvey Weinstein and his criminal case and how he's changing case, lawyers. Cases. Cases. <laughs> the, the 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 criminal one that's going on right now. There uh, may be multiple individuals, but that's uh, multiple victims mentioned. But it's uh, it's been consolidated into one case that's being tried now, and and he's he's bringing in new attorneys again. The the new attorneys coming in are Donna. Re- Rotunno and Damon Sharonis, they're out of Chicago. And I think Rotunno has been referred to as the hero to male clients accused of sexual assault. She's handled more than 40 such cases and has success. I as a prosecutor, I've been up against attorneys that that handle primarily sexual assault oriented cases. And I can tell you that. Unlike any other area of defense, the attorneys that go in to represent these folks, right, wrong, or otherwise, they peel the onion on the victim and they look into background. And in essence, the case ends up being something where they put the victim and their credibility on the stand, like they're being put on trial. It's a it's a it's a reason why a lot of these cases settle if a if a defendant is willing to settle for something. Less because the pro and and why the prosecution sometimes is willing to give away more than what they normally would have gotten at trial to spare the victim of having to basically be victimized again, as they describe it, by being put on the stand and basically having their whole life combed through with a fine tooth comb by a very thorough defense attorney. And the defense attorney is doing their job defending their client zealously. But
2: the, you know, and there's a you know a quote on down the line here, but um, I, I also I, when I read through this and I was like, the first thing that came to my mind was a uh, bold strategy caught. And let's see if it pays off. And uh, and the reason I say that is because it, this whole Me Too movement, this massive like trigger triggering event and Harvey Weinstein being right at the center of it. Uh, there wouldn't be anything better i think as far as publicity is concerned for him to do than hire a female attorney that's, that specifically specializes in getting men off of these type of cases it, exactly you know when you when you do jury selection for
1: example in a in a trial when i've done it you have to understand that again right wrong or otherwise and that's the last time I'm going to use that <laughs> specific phrase there it, jury trials and criminal prosecutions are about more than just the facts the juries are humans we talked about we talked about the difference between having a, a robot or a, op, an automatic drone versus having a pilot in the cockpit we've talked about judges That versus having some algorithm-decide cases. And the same thing is true with juries. They are people, and they formulate opinions during jury selection. And during jury selection, it's very easy to put off the wrong aura, the wrong look, the wrong whatever, to, to turn the jury off. And I think a concern in this case is where you have a defense filled with nothing but men And then maybe you have a prosecution that's got male. I don't know who's prosecuting this case, what the gender is, but then you got a jury sitting there, and it looks like you know you get the female victim who comes in, and the optic can consciously or unconsciously sway the jury. So having a a female defense attorney come in, and I I rather suspect that Rotuno or Rotuno knows this and, and might be one of the reasons she chose that career that I'm an effective litigator I'm female I can f- practice in this area and be very effective here because of the way that I come I can do things that a male attorney can't I can impact the jury the way somebody else cannot and you know she
2: definitely made her name for herself yep. I mean I imagine her retainer isn't $1500 I
1: you know probably 1675 and change but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Weinstein brings her in. But you know you can bring in all the attorneys that you want as a as a defendant, But at some point in time, you have to listen to the advice that they give. And you know one of the things that was cautioned with Weinstein in particular is people think, In criminal cases, it's common to change attorneys. And those of us on the outside start to read the tea leaves and think, oh, you know, maybe there's trouble in paradise. This isn't working. That isn't working. We do know that a previous attorney who got out in his moving papers indicated that he had a conflict of interest with how to do the case. And he and Weinstein were at odds. And I believe even indicated that they have both retained attorneys to talk about communication with each other. That is clearly a uh, Contentious relationship between an attorney, but that doesn't always happen, and you can't always read into that just because a new attorney is brought in. Cal. I think when the curtain was
0: peeled back on all of this type of strategy was during the O.J. Simpson trial. Yes. Where people said the facts apparently don't matter. Legal strategy, selecting the jury, posturing the client in the eyes of the jury, you know, how they dressed up O.J. Simpson's home to be very African-American looking when they brought the jury around for a tour, even though that was not the decor of the Simpson home at the time. I think the, the curtain was peeled back on strategy versus facts. And apparently this is just another extension of that same thing is what it would seem like to me an outsider. Am I wrong on that, Seth?
2: No, and, and one of the, the things that this uh, Messerow guy says is that criminal defense is an art, not a science. And it's it's a show. It's it's theater. It's putting on, you know, what you think the jury is going to want to see and emotion. That's, yeah. And that's why I said you bring in this woman. And I don't I don't know much about criminal law or defense or prosecution or anything like that. I'm in kind of a different realm. But um, in, in the P.I. world, it's it's similar. It's, hey, we got a client here and we're going to put this client on the stand you know, but for us, we have to prep that client. You know, it is a show. It's, is this client going to be likable? Is it a, is it a man? Is it a woman? What's our jury consist of?
0: Sympathetic. And, what kind of emotions will they
2: draw out of the juror? Right. Correct. And yeah, so yeah. all that comes into play.
1: I think there's two ways that you can look at this. And by the way, you referenced Mesro Mesereau. Mesereau is Thomas Mesro He was one of Bill Cosby's attorneys. Um, that was who Seth was talking about, who had made that statement. Um, I think you can look at, the optics and why they do this from two different perspectives. One perspective is, you know, you're in there trying to create a false impression, trying to do whatever. And, and, you know, look, I think that is, to a certain extent, uh, questionable, but you're going to do it. I think there's a reason they do it. Countless interviews with jurors after trial, when you talk about why they cited one way or another, I'm always amazed when I'm able to hear from a juror about what actually swayed them one way or another and a lot of times it has nothing to do with the facts and you'll have a juror say i just didn't like the guy or i didn't like this and so we know that's going on in the jury pool um so in the case of simpson we have that going on in the case of if i'm a prosecutor and i'm putting the victim on the stand or if you're putting your client on the stand as a uh, as a plaintiff to tell their story maybe you don't dress them up in a way that will unduly influence the jury but by the same token you got to look at the other side i don't want them wearing something that would unduly distract or detract from their story right so if i have a if i'm at a prosecutor and i put the victim on the stand to tell their story, I want them to dress, dress in conservative clothing, nothing revealing, nothing that. I want the jury to pay attention to you. Don't come into court wearing, you know, your ratty jeans and a ripped t-shirt and, and all of that kind of stuff, because you could have the greatest story in the world, but your appearance will detract from that story. We want the jury to hear the facts and hear the story. So there's kind of Two ways to go there. While at the same time leaving a favorable impression. Absolutely.
0: I mean, you know, as a defense lawyer, every guy that comes into court all of a sudden has a nice haircut, is wearing fairly nice clothing compared. I mean, he's not wearing the stuff he wore when he got arrested.
2: No, I got to uh, I got to see the Jody Arias trial when I was in law school in Arizona. Oh, yeah, i be in the courtroom for that. And that was very wow. interesting. Sure. You compared, compared to what she looked like before in the pictures and what they depicted and then what she looked like on the stand. It was probably probably the biggest thing that a
1: defense attorney does at a, at a minimum is when they're defending somebody who's in custody. And, and making sure that during the trial, they get to wear regular clothes and not okay. the, orange not the prison orange. And sometimes folks do have to be cuffed, but they'll have one hand cuffed to the chair so that their free hand, usually hand they write with, is open. So that, that the jury is not swayed by that. And, uh, and that's just those, the considerations that they have to deal with. We're coming up. Wow, we're, we're <laughs> cruising. cruising through this hour. Our final segment for this hour will be coming up after these messages. It was that spiffy uh, case or no case. That it, did it, it was. <laughs> it was. Cal, take us to the break.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, folks, we appreciate your listening to Radio Law Talk here, and we hope that you will reach out to your radio station where you hear us and tell them thank you. We also hope that you will go to radiolawtalk.com for several reasons, one of which there's a lot of valuable information there. And then, of course, that's where we archive all, all of previous shows so you can reference them as well. Thanks for listening to Radio Law Talk. The program continues after this. All advertising for legal services on Radio Law Talk
2: Many women have so many clothes in the closet. But then we go to get dressed and find we have nothing to wear. Ah! We've all been there. We all want to be comfortable and fashionable at the same time. And it's difficult to find clothing that makes that task effortless. But at Letty & Company, you can find trendy, comfortable clothing that is affordable. Things you'll want to wear every day. Shop with a purpose online with free shipping. Just go to lettyandcompany.com. Lettyandcompany.com
0: If you're one of those independent people who wants your own business and you love food service, we just might have a great opportunity for you. Iceberg Drive-Ins.
8: Life is full of bittersweet transitions. It's difficult to know how these changes will impact us over time. For some people, difficult transitions like retirement, divorce, or loss of a loved one can hit harder than expected and may contribute to feelings of hopelessness or even thoughts of suicide. The risk of suicide is even higher for men over 50 who served our country, guys like me. That's why support from friends and family makes such a big difference. Every day, your actions could help save a life. Together, we got this. Learn how you can help save a life at veteranscrisisline.net.
0: This is Radio Law Talk,
1: and now, back to the show. So, Seth, I got a question for you. I may have an answer. Uh, okay, all right. What do you do, what do you do, it's kind of Weinstein related, I guess, but what do you do when you, you're representing a client, and they come in, and they say, Yeah, say so you've been representing them for a while, right? Yeah they come in and they have a question for you or a suggestion about how to handle something because they were talking with a friend and they were talking with somebody. They did a Google search and they have this novel legal theory That they now want you to employ because they are convinced that that is going to be what gets them over the hump or what happens here. How do you deal with that with your clients?
2: This is it's kind of this two-edged sword because Google is like your best friend, you know, in that in by getting your name out there, advertising. We talked about that earlier, but Google is also like your worst enemy. You know and the question you pose, believe it or not, is I would say on a weekly basis, we have somebody call in or a client or even potential clients uh, and they'll say, hey, I was you know, I searched what my options were or I was diving into some research as far as what my what I could do about my case or the best one, I was talking to my friend, and a lot of it is, I could say, like, dispelling myths. There's a lot of stuff on the internet, and that's why all those people make fun of those things where you say, like, you know, don't always believe what you read on the internet or whatever. The, the that's a I, quote by Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln. Exactly. Yes, yes.
7: <laughs> I,
1: I Or the uh, – I've seen in, in – I, I saw it in a doctor's office, but the, the picture behind the glass in the doctor's office, it says uh, – You know, your five-minute Google search does not replace my medical degree. (laughs) It's so not.
2: And that applies because there's a lot of stuff out there, and there's a lot of people, you know, bloggers. There's even people in the legal world that will post stuff on their website or you'll find it on a link somewhere, and it's like, well, that's not 100% accurate. And maybe what they do is try to get somebody, like clickbait, you know, click on this link to learn more or whatever. And for us, it's usually a 30-, 45-minute conversation on working them through it. Now, everybody experiences – a combative client. They're they're out there. Then you got the people that just, there's nothing that you're going to be able to do or say that makes them happy. Yes. You know, and so sometimes it's easier just to say, if you're not happy with the representation that you're getting, it's easy for us to fill out some paperwork and for you to take your case onto that attorney or onto that bartender or onto your best friend that seems to know what to do with your case.
1: Is there a point of no return you know, a, a flight, a trans-Pacific a, a trans, uh, flight from, say, San Francisco to China or something like that, they hit the point of no return where they can't turn around and go back to San Francisco because they, have, they don't have enough fuel to do that. Legally speaking, when you're dealing with a client, is there a point of no return where if you bring up that topic about, you know, you're free to retain legal representation elsewhere, that... Even bringing that up might hinder or or irreparably harm the attorney-client relationship in the civil realm. I I think in a relationship, if somebody says, look, if you don't like me, go ahead and get a divorce. You you bring that up, and and maybe that phrase alone hinders your relationship with your spouse going forward. Is there something like that um, where if you bring that up, you're almost all right. I'm I'm sort of I'm I'm cutting the Fisher cut bait. I've just cut bait.
2: Yeah, and in the civil realm, if it gets to that point, believe it or not, there's something already a riff. Yes. And and you know I I work with attorneys, I speak with attorneys, and I know it. I got a, a friend that's an attorney, and he said straight up that if anyone ever called him and threatened, you know, to call the state bar on him or to turn him over for alleged ethical violations when he's done everything by the book, he says that would be you know, I'm cutting bait. You'll yep. find representation elsewhere. Now there are those clients where, you know, everything's going well, you're working with them, you're working with them and they've they've got wind of something else or they want to try a different method or whatever and they don't like your advice. And it's it's easy for us to say, hey, it, you know, you can go seek other counsel if you would like. It's It's a simple process for us on the civil side. So it's not something that we're like, absolutely against doing we don't like to do it because we like to retain our clients we like happy clients you know but if there is that client that is you know constantly attorney shopping or shopping from us to another attorney then for us it's like you know it's not necessarily a problem but it's like hey maybe it'd be best for both of us the sure. relationship for you to move on
0: sure cal i remember doing a news story years ago on a, on a couple that had hired an attorney they gave him the five thousand dollars down and nine weeks later they hadn't heard a thing. Nine weeks. Made phone calls, left messages, said, Hey, what's going on? Went and knocked on the door. Office was closed. I mean they you know, they documented to me how many times they'd been. I think it was thirteen or fourteen times of every phone calls or knocking on the door and trying to find this guy. And they said, What can we do? And I said uh, you can do whatever you want, but if it were me, I'd be looking for a lawyer that was actually going to represent me. Nine weeks seems like a long time. Uh, and that that's my next point is there are times when people – there may be stuff going on behind the scenes they don't know about. But communicating with a client, to me, seems like it's really important. So what expectations can a client have as far as communication with them, Seth, especially in a
2: PI case? It, it, we'll go back to the standard legal answer. It depends. And it, it depends on there's clients that need – you know, a lot of hand-holding and a lot of attention, then there's a lot of clients, you know, up front, we're like, hey, this this part where you're treating for your injuries, this might seem like the longest part of the case, because it could take months, you know, and we have in our system, we update probably every four to six weeks, uh, touch base with them, call them if paperwork comes in, you know, we, we're, we're always adamant about, hey, let them know where we're at, but then there's some clients that are like, Dude, don't you know, you don't have to call me. You don't have to email me. Just let me know if something drastic happens. So every client is different. And in Todd's realm, especially in the criminal world, there might be a lot more hand holding than what I experience. there there is, and this kind of gets
1: back to, to Weinstein, which kind of brought all of this up. The Trump card that a lot of criminal defendants and and clients can use is, you know, they want it done a certain way. The attorney gives their opinion as to the way it should go. And the attorney's the one who makes the call, a trial strategy. But it's common for clients to come back and say, well, look, if this goes colossally wrong, you're not the one that's going to be in jail. I am. I'm the one that loses my liberty. And I don't want to, in a situation like this, I don't want to lose my liberty and then sit there in jail thinking, if only we had done it this way. And and I understand that point. To your point about communication, I think failure to communicate with clients is one of the leading, leading causes of malpractice claims against attorneys. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens, but again, it's, it's somewhat subjective in the sense that you can have uh, an attorney that goes nine weeks without calling somebody and the client's okay with as long as everything gets done, and then you can have another attorney that you know fails to return one out of the 10 phone calls they got because <laughs> but they did it the next morning and the client is upset because yeah, you, know, you never call me back but um the the one thing that i want to say to folks out there who solicit third-party opinions from friends and doctors and they go back and they tell their attorney this is, is you you really got to cut your attorney a break in this regard first of all Whoever you got the third-party opinion from, if it was an attorney, the attorney knows—I've heard Denise talk about this a lot—very hesitant in a party situation, anything other than a formal situation, giving anything that's remotely close to legal advice. We do the disclaimers on this show that what we say here is is not legal advice. It is not—I mean— You consult your own attorney. The same thing is true when you're not on a radio station, when you're not on the air, when you're talking to somebody at a party. I can talk to you generally, but I'm not going to give you specific legal advice as to what you do. And the other thing to keep in mind is where did you get that advice? The the last (laughs) thing somebody wants to do when they're having their second glass of wine at a party is listen to your criminal case (laughs) – because you happen to practice the law, and it's a criminal case, and maybe you do contracts, but you're a lawyer, so I'm going to ask you. And, and they ask you, and you're upset. And, and rather than people in that situation will always go to the path of least resistance. I don't want to argue with you about your domestic violence case, your DUI case, your whatever. I'll say whatever I can say so yeah. that we can end this conversation amicably. And if you take that advice and go back to your attorney and say, I talked to an attorney, and this is the way it needs to be done. Look, you're not being fair to your lawyer. And guess what? We're at the end of this hour. Cal, can you take us to the break?
0: Well, I guess I could. That gives me a lot of ad-libbing to do, but I will tell you this much. Uh, We have yet another hour to go on Radio Law Talk on some affiliates, others not. So if you want to hear the third hour, you may have to click over and listen to Radio Law Talk on radiolawtalk.com. Remember, You can podcast every show that we've done, and if you ask many listeners, we've done way too many. (laughs) (laughs) But at any rate, we'll see you next time right here on Radio Law Talk and on RadioLawTalk.com. You have been listening to RadioLawTalk.com. A copyrighted presentation of Radio Law Talk Incorporated.